0: and welcome to this week's episode of Kitchen Scoop with Kat. This week we are joined by Dennis O'Donnell. Uh, from his bio, he shares that he spent 24 years in the restaurant industry from Bones in Atlanta, Smith and Walensky, New York, and the Ocean Reef Club in Key Largo. He started as porter in a catering hall, had kitchen duties, and spent two decades as waiter bartender for front of house. He is kitchen trained and certified in fine wines. Whether as his primary or second job, restaurants always keep life moving forward. His food and beverage service experience provided him for 25 years in healthcare receivables. In food and healthcare, it's all about teamwork and devotion to the customer. I'm really excited about our interview together, and I look forward to sharing this with all of you. If you have any questions, um, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram at kitchenscoop underscore WPB, or you're welcome to email into the show at kitchenscoopwpb at gmail.com. Thanks so much. We're joined by Dennis O'Donnell. Uh, he shares that he's had 25 years of experience in the restaurant industry, and we're so excited to have him on the show. Um, thank you, Dennis.
1: Oh, my <laughs> uh, pleasure.
0: Um, I think just jumping right into it, can you share your background with our listeners, um, where you're from, and I know, uh, what age were you when you started working in restaurants?
1: Oh, that that's a loaded question because... <laughs> Uh, I think very few people of current generations can relate to the fact that I started in restaurants at 12 years old. Um, so 12 years old is young today, but, uh, in, you know, back in, uh, in the seventies when I started, um, it was uh, perfectly legal. Um, so I'm from Long Island, New York, uh, born in Brooklyn, raised in Nassau County. And, um, I'm now a, you know, a father and grandfather. So I have, you know, a varied professional background. But from the age of 12 through, oh, I would say it's about 37 years old, I um, always had a restaurant job. Now, that could be in addition to another job, or it could, uh, you know, at times it was my primary job. But I, I always went back to restaurants food and beverage and catering to, uh, you know, to keep myself going. The money was good. I knew it well. And so I stayed with it. Um, I decided, well, I'm just realizing I was actually in it till I was 40. I'm saying 37. But I just realized that I went back to school for um, uh, computer education in my 30s and decided that I was going to leave the business by the age of 40. So I guess I did it more than 25 years.
0: Oh wow. Yeah, I mean that's an extensive history in that field. Um, and I'm sure you've had a huge range of experiences, which is why I really wanted to pick your brain and speak with you about it.
1: <laughs> sure. <great. laughs> because,
0: uh because there's so many I, I always say in the restaurants uh industry there are so many huge personalities and um, i'm sure you've experienced <laughs> people are really hot-headed really short really frustrated stressed you know it's a high stress environment um mm-hmm. and it's how so how has working in restaurants influenced you <laughs> as a person wow. and your personality and as a working professional
1: oh goodness in so many ways it was foundational Actually, um, it's, it's interesting that we're having this talk because I had I corresponded with um, a cousin of mine today, earlier today, uh, because I saw a post about a restaurant that he had worked in years ago. And we exchanged some thoughts on the subject. And we both agree that it was foundational for us, that it shaped us. And there's a chance that it shaped us because we, you know, it was one of our earliest professional experiences. But um, that we we took so much from it, we gave so much to it, and we took so much that we. And uh, he said it. I agree. We still use those skills today. Um, It taught me what hard work was. Let's just start right there it taught me that you know what hard work is it's and at the same time it taught me this is foundational it taught me that while it is hard work you can never let them see you sweat oh <laughs> which yeah which is you know <laughs> it was it was about grace under pressure um recognizing that the jo- the job uh, the work was not about you and your experience of it that you are there to uh, create um, an experience for others, a pleasant, relaxed uh, experience for others. That um, really should be a, at least a cut above a an at home experience for the customer. Because if it were not better than being at home, why would they go out? Yeah. Uh, so it, yeah, it taught me a lot about how to um function at a high level of stress how to multitask uh, on you know really on the go under high pressure how to constantly um reorganize your priorities you know as 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 um as needs arose and as you uh, judge the timing with which all aspects of the evening are functioning, what I mean by that is uh, um, you know in uh, restaurants when they open they seldom are full you know uh, in my you know when I was working there were there were usually a lunch crowd which thinned out and then a, a dinner crowd so there was a lull in between, and when I came into work, typically there really weren't many tables seated, and then it goes from you know a placid dining room and builds um to oftentimes what appears to be chaos you know <laughs> you know chaos absolute mayhem sometimes if you've ever worked a mother's day and uh, if anyone listens and has worked a mother's day they probably just chuckled um mother's day and holidays so you have to um learn how i had to learn how to um, and then there's the back office, right? Or the—I or call it back office—but the the kitchen and um, their their timing. You know, there we are all in a reactionary mode because people just show up or they don't. But they, when they show up, um, they 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 impact the dynamics of the evening, um, your pace, your focus, and then you've got to translate their needs, their wants to a kitchen crew. Um, who themselves are being pressured from, let's call it anywhere from five to 40 waiters or waitresses, right? Servers, they call them. Um, so it's a really fascinating environment from a human dynamics point of view. That's, you know, as I look back at it, I can, I can view it that way. But at the time, uh, in my you know, later years in the business, I began to recognize what I was doing. I was constantly reading the room, reading my customers because I could have one table uh, knowing what the functionality and the pace of what the function was of the meal and what the pace it uh, was that was being set at the table. Okay. Some people, yeah, some people want to get in and they want to, you know, get to a movie. So feed us quickly and get us out. And so right. they're, on, they're on high speed. And then you've got others celebrating, you know, grandma's um, uh, birthday, which is a slower pace. Uh, other times, so you've got to understand, you've got to be able to read people, read a table um, and fit them into your ever evolving rhythm it's uh I use that today i it, it, I'll tell you what when i when I went to work in New York City in a variety of functions um it just clicked in. you know anyone who's worked in New York City would understand what I'm talking about. The pace is phenomenal. there are millions of people and um to it, it taught me this business taught me how to operate in chaos
0: do you look for in new hires? <laughs> because I'm sure this is a challenging role as you've shared that they have to read the room, they have to understand pacing, and um, being able to provide their guests a really great experience. And what are some of the forgivable things as you're training, you know, new staff? And what are some things that you find intolerable?
1: Excellent question. Yeah, it's it I find that the the staffing of the you know the front of the house of a restaurant very interesting because. It is generally a transient population, meaning the staff are generally transient. They're temporary, and they're typically part time, and and these days younger. So you know what? How do you bring someone? Let's call them semi inexperienced or only semi uh, or no experience semi. Engaged because, you know, younger people tend to have all sorts of other things going, competing for their interests and temporary. How do you engage and bring them into a culture and get, you know, help them become engaged and, and in the flow? Because being in the flow is critical eventually, eventually. So what do I look for? in staffing, or even a partner if I'm on the floor. What I look for are people who remain teachable. People who want, who have a a good work ethic. So how do you determine that? I think it's a level of enthusiasm that they bring to an interview and to the the work itself on a day-to-day basis. Enthusiasm, a positive attitude, People who I look for people who have not just a want for the job, but a need for the job. But first, a want, a desire for it. There are an awful lot of people who enter the business because they have a need, right? They perhaps uh, have not developed enough other skills or there's a uh, some situation in their life where they have to get, you know, this kind of work they need flexibility. They, you know, they don't have childcare until four in the afternoon or whatever it is that there's always often a need in, in the person who comes to work in the restaurant business. But what I'm looking for is the right attitude. The right attitude for me is someone who brings enthusiasm and if they can't bring it, they know how to muster it. Right. Uh, You've heard the expression, fake it till you make it. Because you are you are the restaurant, you are the face. You are the personal contact with that individual. They ne- with the with the car the customer, they never meet this the kitchen staff. They only meet the host very briefly, especially in this day and age. They will you know pass you off to someone to seat you, and then it's all about the server. So I think the server leaves the greatest impression. And that I also think the server is the forward, fa- oh, I'm sorry, the, the representative of the customer to the house, which is a foreign idea to a lot of restaurants. I think, I think that as, as restaurants become less, and, uh, fewer and fewer privately owned restaurants open, the more they become big, you know, or opened by uh, corporations, that it is all about profit in the bottom line. And I'm looking for people who recognize that if the customer leaves with a poor impression of the food, it is also part of the, customer, of the server's fault. What do I mean by that? The server has a responsibility that when food is put up to be brought to the table, that they inspect it. Okay. And that, and that they help the line that is putting the food out understand that this is, first of all, well done. Or unacceptable. I don't want a server who will put food. Now, I'm putting my customer hat on here. I don't want a server who puts food down in front of me that they themselves put no care into. Or the kitchen put no care into. And there's no excuse. I've heard, I've heard servers in large restaurant operations, large chains, rather. They, they don't even drop it off. There's this disconnect. They take the order and somebody else, a runner, drops it off. Right. Right. And they drop it off and they run. And if you ask, if you you pause them to ask a question, they don't have the time or they don't understand why you're asking them to deal with your disappointment with the appearance of the food or the particulars that you added in your order that might be lacking. So I'm looking for people who are conscientious and take responsibility for the customer experience that's what i'm looking for because it's ultimately customer satisfaction it is not only about profit to the house what do i mean by that that there's a great old story about a barber which i'll tell if you like but it's a it's not about this visit it's not about this visit it's about whether or not you return
0: okay i love that that's yeah <laughs> yeah no it's true i think have and you're right the server really is primarily responsible for that quality control initially you know they've engaged with the customer they understand their needs so to communicate those effectively to the back of house and to actually care (laughs) like to actually see it through yeah all the way and and to carry that all the way through the end of service is really important and you can tell like you can totally tell when somebody's having an off day or when they really just can't care you know they're like i have no interest in being here i hate this place or and so, I think understanding all of those dynamics and how um it's really important, I think, especially for owners to be actively involved to make sure that there isn't a toxic culture because it really permeates through everything
1: <laughs> oh um, absolutely right? like
0: so if you have a chef who's having a bad day, it's like they say you know at home, you know if Dad's mad and he yells at Mom, the mom yells at the kids, the kids kick the dog, it's like all <laughs> you know so that's I think that's true in restaurants. Um, Absolutely.
1: Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes.
0: I mean, what are some of your most memorable experiences <laughs> working in front of house? I do care to oh share my. some of the horror stories.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> I laugh at all of them now. I have a favorite that I've told for years when demonstrating poor management in a restaurant. Okay. I worked a restaurant in Island Park, New York, Long Island, where I came in on a Sunday afternoon, probably four o'clock on a Sunday afternoon, and the restaurant was not properly organized in that they had one room that had all big tables, I mean, parties of eight and above, a room full of them. And they made that a station or... Yeah, the night I walked in, it was a station for me. And with I, I would say within 15 minutes of punching in they seated me with four tables of 10
0: so <laughs> they like get to it <laughs> yeah
1: it was it was really irresponsible so you know that's that's that speaks to management how so first of all you must organize your dining room properly so that you don't put all big tables on one station you need to take into account the ability of the server to, you know, provide proper service. Secondly, it's how they seat the tables. You know, the rhythm with which they seat these tables, you don't, we used to call it being buried. You know, they just slam you. Here I am learning these things by, you know, being, shall I call, what I'll call the subject of it rather than a manager. But, and it helped me by the way in my later careers careers plural in how to troubleshoot systems that are suffering dysfunctional systems so what it taught me at a very early age is that you need to plan your work that means you know distributing the workload evenly throughout the staff so that you don't bury someone and then cause a terrible experience for that person and the, and the customers, because if they can't get the service they need, they, they will walk away with a bad experience on top of that. So it's about planning, you know, planning, planning out your room so you can seat people in an orderly fashion that you don't overload a server and, and, that if if you see that they have been, you know, handed too many customers or, you know, a significant number of customers that you don't, uh, that you hold back. You know, even if you have to hold back the, the customer, they'd rather sit, I think, in the lobby for a few minutes or at the bar rather than go to the table with expectations that the meal is going to begin. And then the server ends up stumbling their way through the whole thing. So it's I think it's being my, it's mindfulness. That's what we're talking about. Mindfulness in every aspect of the house, starting with the hostess or host, and or or even taking a step further back, planning your room and your layout. You don't put all your big tables in one station or one area because it happens to fit. You need to design your room to include a balance of small and large tables for each station. Then, if you can't plan the room any better, you plan your stations better for each of your staff, so that there's a balance of of smaller parties and larger parties that can be that you can then distribute evenly. So it's planning your room, it's planning your your service stations, and then it is managing the flow of customers through the door. You don't. For, furthermore, if you take reservations, you don't book, you know, x number of tables of, of large parties at the same time. Because and this this. I'm reminded of all this through that that night where I was seated with four tables of 10. On top of that, the kitchen had not ordered properly. The kitchen had run out of food on Saturday night. And this is Sunday. Mm-hmm. So, the, so I go into, I, I have not, and the information was not well circulated. So there was like no communication on, on foods we were low on other than this Chalkboard on the back of the entrance door to the kitchen, which is a terrible place for it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I've so, seen that actually. You know, I see the little whiteboards or the yeah. chalkboards, and I'm like that. I'm like, okay, you know, maybe if it's a small cafe or like a you know a coffee shop, I'm like, okay. But <laughs> what are some other? I think it sounds like you've worked in systems improvement for a long time.
1: <laughs> um, well, let, let, let's let me finish this story because it's a good one. Real, real quick. So yeah. I, I punched in the orders for a table of 10 and I didn't go into the kitchen to see if they were okay with the order. I went back and took the next order. Then I went back to, the, I went to the, the meat roast machine, punched in that order and I'm at the table and someone at uh, the third table and someone taps me on the shoulder and says, the kitchen needs to see you. So um, my flow, the flow I've begun has been disrupted. I go into the kitchen and the chef starts yelling at me screaming okay. at me you have not seen the 86 board which is what we used to call it okay. you know what what is wrong with you i don't have this i don't have that i don't have this i don't have that and i turned around and looked at the board there were about 18 main courses that we could not serve oh my gosh right i go back <laughs> and I, I take the order from the third table i punch it in they call me back into the kitchen he starts yelling at me again and i go back to being cool under pressure because I finally yelled at him. I broke, broke. I said, well, if you had done the ordering properly in the first place, we wouldn't be in this situation. (laughs) What was was described to me is that as I turned and left the kitchen, he picked up a pot of boiling water off the stove and heaved it across the kitchen at me. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) So that's how far it can go. You know, uh-huh. it can get very dangerous.
0: <laughs> Gosh, well, this—I mean, this brings up so many other questions as far as you know, an eighty-six board. I'm like two restaurants. You know, I m- imagine reporting is incredibly important, and so that way you can see, you know, what you're out of. Being able to make changes on the fly in your system, so that way those servers can go up to their POS, mm-hmm. and you know, effectively get that information into the kitchen, so that way you're not, you know, trying to place orders of things that you don't have on hand, which is a nightmare.
1: (laughs) It's a nightmare. Breaks up everything.
0: Oh my gosh. You know, what role do you I mean how much weight do you place on the technology in the restaurant and and what role does technology play in the overall success of you know a restaurant business?
1: Great question. Technology has to be well managed. It has to be dynamic. What I mean by dynamic is managed day to day in order for it to be effective i don't it doesn't matter what the industry is but if it's timely inform, we all need timely information with which to make decisions informed decisions so a software system or a or technology that is not does not carry timely information is now a detriment and not an asset do you agree
0: oh absolutely Definitely.
1: <laughs> so here um, you've got a system, a, an ordering system, that should be able to, inf- that if maintained on a daily basis, should be able to inform the server, you know, before they take, or as they're taking an order, as to the limitations of the kitchen. Right? Right. Yeah. If we've run out of fresh fish, you know, it should, you know, your system should have an early warning system or a pop-up. No fresh fish today. Or we replaced, we're replacing this item on the menu with this item. Uh, subst- no substitutions for this. Whatever the information is that is needed at the po- point of sale should be able to be relayed through technology because they're taking orders on tablets now. So that's my opinion on that critical piece uh, as it relates to my last story. There are a great many ways technology can serve the server, but I will, and the hostess and the, and the customer. But let's, let's discuss. I've seen it in my later career and I saw it in the restaurant business. And that is when the technology demands too much of the focus of the server or the host at the, at the podium that they are buried in the tablet trying to maintain the system or understand the system or read the system it can it can if not properly designed and not not used effectively it can interfere with the customer experience so i worked with doctors in my later years and so i saw technology introduced to doctors later than it was introduced to restaurants okay and what the the chief complaint of patients or customers in this in in the restaurant industry is that they take the, the server takes, or the doctor or the nurse takes their eyes off the patient. That the uh, and they bury it in the tablet, in the technology. They're staring at this screen and and they're not really listening to the customer or the patient in the doc in the case of the doctor. So the server and the host and ownership need to choose a system. And then use this, uh, build a system. It's, it's a term called build. Some call it, you know, the analyst. That is setting up the system so that it is user-friendly and does not create too great a distraction for the server or the user, be it the hostess, be it the kitchen, or be it the server. Let's go to the kitchen. When tickets are printing out, you know, in in 10 to 12 font size, Right. Right. For, for, for a cook with an eyesight problem, <laughs> and, and they don't, they choose not to replace the, you know, the printing card ribbon or whatever, you know, carbon print material they're using, and they're getting poorly printed tickets. They're now preparing the food improperly, right? They can't see it. They can't read it. Things are left off. So, maintenance of the printers is critical. How many times were we all jammed up? in in my server experience in the restaurants jammed up at the point of point of uh, at the at the server station or the the computer station on the floor trying to enter an order in an unfriendly terminal difficult to use and while servers stood behind you waiting now waiting in that business is a, is a is a is a is a killer you know, yeah. for everyone concerned, it breaks the rhythm of the room. People watch you standing around while they're waiting for a drink. And then there's I've seen systems or use systems where the 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 ticket does not print properly or it spits out and then gets soaked with food or drink water at the bar. Right. But I guess it's 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 about it's about paying attention to your soft to your system and your hardware, your printers and your and your programming of the system. It it is not, these systems are not to be set up once and left alone. They must be managed on a daily basis so that they are uber functional. You know,
0: I, I would definitely agree with that. I think you can't just set it and forget it. So many things change and you need to make sure that, and you're taking in the input from your staff, you know, people who are actually on the front line, you know, working the front of house, um, if there are improvements that need to be made, I think prioritizing them and making sure that you're actually making those changes and you're right, having technology that enhances the customer experience. I think so, you know, especially in the the times that we live in, I think people place a lot of emphasis on having the most the latest thing without really seeing if it's the right thing. You know, there's nothing wrong <laughs> <laughs> with, you know, incorporating some old school here and making sure that you're actually, you know, you're in the people business and making sure that you're engaging with customers and making them feel taken care of. You know, a tablet cannot replicate that. A robot cannot, you know, recreate that experience for someone. <laughs> you know, I don't care what's, you know, I, I see AI things and, all you know, they have these things that tech expos of what's coming. And it's like, you know, people want people. And I think we go out, you know, when you're looking to have a really nice experience you know, you want to feel seen, you want to feel heard. Some people don't, you're right. Some people just want to eat and head out and they don't want to engage with anybody and that's fine. But, you know, some of my best experiences have been with Sir Bruce who really engaged and told a story or made us laugh or just made us feel, there was just some human connection. I think people are really starving for that. And restaurants definitely offer human connection.
1: (laughs) They should if they don't. You're absolutely right. You know, and, and, I step back to say that I've been in healthcare for 20 years since the restaurant business. So the restaurant business and healthcare are two of the most personal experiences that a human being will have. So if you eliminate the human being, you know, the, 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 the server, or you minimize the contact of the server with the consumer, or if you minimize the human contact in healthcare with the patient, you are really starving them of a key component in the experience and And you've got to be mindful of that.
0: Yeah. I think it's important to have tech in place that allows your customers to, you know, for the staff to engage with the customers more is something that relieves room for more time to engage and to, you know, Mm -hmm. and to make sure you're making more connections. And, you know, and I think I think there's a lot to be gained from that. And I think a lot of, you know, as people are researching tech for their restaurants, that that's really important. I wanted to go back to say, so, you know, people we had talked about people taking these jobs out of necessity. Oftentimes, you know, people are looking for a part-time gig. Maybe they're in school. Do you think people can make meaningful careers in these positions, you know, in service? Uh, what can they do to excel and to stand out and to be considered for promotions?
1: Oh, great question. The most successful restaurant I ever worked in had career servers, which was a fairly foreign concept to me. So this was Bones Steakhouse in Atlanta, Georgia. Once upon a time, I don't know what they're doing today, but once upon a time, a five-star Michelin-rated restaurant, always full of celebrities and sports figures, a very dynamic restaurant and the most excellent place I've ever worked in my life. They had career staff. So what was the difference? Well, temporary people, shall we call them, you know, interchangeable staff, I would call them, is not necessary if they can earn a living at it. Meaning if they are poorly compensated and unsatisfied, they're not going to stay very long. And so you will have constant turnover. Sure. Furthermore, there's an expense, as we all know, attached to constantly retraining. That's the, you know, that's a, an incurred expense. There's the, the soft expense, which means that if you are teaching people constantly while they're serving, that you're losing customers because they will miss a beat. They will miss a detail. So in my, I believe in career servers, but they have to be able to earn a living at it. You know, I've, I was a single parent, okay, a custodial parent. So I had to be able to put, you know, take in X number of dollars every week. And if the restaurant couldn't guarantee it, I had to go get a job that would. And this is a point that we haven't discussed yet. It is the politics of a house, right? A restaurant. I have been in too many restaurants where, what's the word? I'll use the old term, kissing up to the management is what won, won you favor and won you the best stations and won you the favor of the host where they served you with the best tables and they filled you up first. I have been the last person in the line too many times to not discuss politics in this talk. It is critical that everyone is treated equally, not just fairly, but equally, if they're coming into work and they're putting in their hours, they deserve tables. When you put people last, you know, when you put servers last, they're going to treat the house as if it's unimportant. And by that, I mean, they will, they will steal, right? Let's not, let's not pretend that people don't do that. They will steal. They will have a sour attitude if they're being seated last in the whole house and then they, their station dries up first. you know I've seen that a lot. So servers need to I'm sorry managers need to be mindful of how they seat a room, how they treat everyone. They need to be careful that uh, when when people on the floor are kissing up to them, flirting with them, if you will, it happens. They have to be careful and, and management like senior management needs to be mindful of watching out for clicks. Okay,
0: that's good advice.
1: <laughs> Very important. I can't tell you how many people I know have left jobs, including myself, because they were not brought into the click. They were not welcome in the click. Why? They only work two days a week. You know, as you know, restaurants don't put their full staff on seven days a week. So the people who work full time tend to get favor, you know, but, you know, when it's overt and it's over the top, A house can expect constant turnover of their part-time people if they are not treated fairly. And if there are cliques, they need to do their best to discourage it and to nip rumors in the bud, not allow it. Back to Bones. You know, Bones was a professional operation where cliques did not form amongst the professionals because these were people feeding their families from this. They were very well trained and professionalism was expected not once in a while, not occasionally, but every night, every table. So maintaining high standards that are achievable, that are achievable because of the way you've set up your house, where everybody gets a fair shake on the floor, whether they are part time or full time, and favorites are not tolerated. Favoritism is not tolerated between management. And the floor.
0: Yeah, I think that's incredibly important because, it, again, just going back to creating a toxic culture and poisoning the well. Do you want to see how that will translate to dinner service or, <laughs> or to the service for your customers? You know, it absolutely will. And we live in a world now where reviews. You know, we're so driven by reviews. You know, and Google listings and seeing. It's, you know, they said people really don't dine at restaurants that have less than a four-star rating. You know, it's like if you can spend your hard-earned dollars are you going to go to a three-star restaurant or the 4.2, <laughs> you right. know, because a 4.2 will guarantee, you know, moderately good service, a good service experience, good food, and that there's more quality control there. So if you want to, you know, dive your restaurant ratings practice favoritism and allowing clicks and a toxic culture and just watch i think it really just trickles down from there and then it becomes a two-star restaurant real fast
1: <laughs> excellent point in speaking about ratings i'll add something to this my favorite restaurant as a customer okay not as an employee was a diner in Moriches, center morich's new york it was a diner okay, okay? The owner in that diner. So here I am as a customer years after my, I left the restaurant business who went to every table, not once a night, but every table as an owner and checked in with how the meal was going. And he didn't just come by soliciting a positive response. He wanted to know the truth and he, he personally took care of any issue that was not taken care of by the server. He would. If you didn't like your plate, if there was something missing, if there was something added that you asked to be left off, he asked your permission, he fixed the problem, and he returned it to you promptly. He didn't just take it away, yell at the waiter, <laughs> and <laughs> then go, on, go back to the podium or back to his office. He fixed every problem, and then what he did with those problems, um, and then he brought the food back himself. This was not a slow restaurant. This was a very busy diner. And as we all know, diners have evolved to become very nice dining experiences. They're just, they had the flavor and the menu and options of a diner, the old diners. So, you know, I hope no one turns their nose up when I say diner. They are fast paced. They are varied. They are to be respected. What goes on in the diner cannot be replicated everywhere. But he, I'll never forget him because he made sure everybody had a positive dining experience. So what am I getting at here? Is don't leave it up to your to your rating system on a computer software program somewhere. I think that's lazy. Mm-hmm. Do not spend the night sitting in your office monitoring numbers as a restaurateur. An owner should walk the floor. It's what I call management by walking around. You know, a, a clumsy term, an an inelegant term, but walk the floor. Not just to your regulars, but go to everyone and check in. You know, don't yeah. be, don't be obtrusive, but no, you know, pay attention to your floor, be on the floor and be prepared to shore up a struggling server or a struggling host or hostess. Or when the kitchen is not getting the food out, one of the best restaurateurs I've ever seen was the owner of Dodice in Rockville Center. Okay. um this owner stood he he made himself the expediter and inspected every meal that came across, came through the window
0: i love that actually that's i mean
1: he put himself because that's
0: that's where we're going to catch things like that is that's where it's going to happen on the pass is that expediter like <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly right, and he's watching how his line is working. Are they functioning right? Are the right people in the right places, or or are the you know is one type of dish, be it from the grill or the sauté station, always late, therefore causing everything else to get cold? You know, I, so these are what I call pinch points. Restaurants have pinch points. Every enterprise does. That is where everything comes together in the flow of a process. Where everything comes together at one point those are key places for observation that's one of those pinch points is the podium where customers present themselves to be seated to check in for a reservation that's a pinch point you need to have someone you need to have not just management but ownership checking in at the podium the other is at the workstations if you see your servers backed up at the order entry stations around the floor if you don't have tablets OK, if they're backed up and standing around waiting, to, that's a problem with yeah. your software or your hardware. If you see drinks be- being backed up at the bar or tickets being backed up at the ticket puncher at the bar, orders being placed by servers, drinks uh, where the ice is melting. Right. That's a pinch point. Exactly. And and at the at the expediter's station in the kitchen. These are all. things. <laughs>
0: You bring up a good point in that it's so important to be observant and to ask questions. You know, I was just at a restaurant where the ball got dropped, you know, and if if there's a table, I mean, a plate up at the pass that's just waiting too long and, you know, taking ownership over your table, taking ownership over the orders you've punched in, asking questions saying, hey, whose is this? It doesn't take a lot to prevent a huge mishap and to prevent, you know, people from being really unhappy. People don't like waiting. You know, there's that moment where it starts to get uncomfortable and where you just know at this point that somebody has been sitting there too long, you know, and it doesn't matter if it's not your table. (laughs) Right. It doesn't matter if it's not your guest. The fact is if they're in that restaurant they belong to that restaurant, it's everybody's guest at that point, you know, and I think everybody you know working collaboratively to make to if the end goal is to make sure nobody leaves unhappy, you know, and people actually just engaging and and caring and and looking you know speak up, be vocal. I would prefer to have somebody speak up and ask you know whose table is this for, than to just leave it there for fifteen minutes
1: absolutely <laughs> oh, right.
0: Right, and prevent a walkout, you know, and so I, I and I think it's for everybody. If you're working together, you know, eventually you get to know the people you're working with and you understand their styles. And I think that goes back to reading the room, being really good at reading people. I think the people skills you develop in this industry are phenomenal. I don't know if you can really, I mean, you'll learn about engaging with people in so many different experiences and workplaces, but restaurants it's like oh my gosh what a way to do that and to accelerate your experience as far as being able to work with people effectively and you know I think starting at 12 like wow (laughs) I think you had a leg up there
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I I guess I did I liked having money in my pocket you know it is a it's a highly complex industry not it's not appreciated for that because customers Customers don't care about your, your complexities. They want, they want a smooth experience. So I think in, in summary, that if you create a smooth workflow, if you pay attention and constantly to, to where the what's happening at your pinch points, right. And what's happening, oh, you know, if you can, and if you walk the floor and pay attention to what's happening, you know, learning how to read the customer's faces and to ask them on the way out. I mean, typically people who have had a good experience are walking out smiling and laughing, that's typical. And if they're not, if they're walking out quickly, brusquely, they have been delayed or they're annoyed by what went on at dinner. And you you need to be able to read people, read the flow, have your finger on the pulse while the work, not the work, rather while the evening is going on. If you're unwilling to do that, if you are tied up with computer readouts and statistics and dollars being posted, you are not really managing the house. You're managing, you know, the the or your you're, you're running by by data, you're a data manager. A successful operation needs data oversight, but more than anything, they need satisfied customers. Well, there'll be no there'll be terrible data in the future.
0: Right. Yeah, if you forget the heart of your business and you think that and you're just driven by numbers and looking at reports, and if that's where you spend your time and all of your energy and you aren't addressing all of the things that you've described so wonderfully for all of us today, I think you know you'll see a lot of that's what will make or break you and you'll, and there are so many people who try and attempt to get into this business and maybe they think it's going to be easy or they have this dream of uh engaging their communities and that it's oh it's so easy let me just open a restaurant you know i like food i like people
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> right and you know those but you know you you know those restaurant tours and you've i'm sure you've experienced yeah. it and there's so much that goes into this um, and, you know, and developing your business sense and, you know, building that business acumen. It's it's not for the faint of heart. This is a very tough, <laughs> it's a very tough business to hack it in. But there are a lot of successful businesses for a reason. And I think that's because of what you just, you know, you explained that people who really take ownership over it, who are constantly engaging and who people who don't forget that this is about serving your customers. <laughs>
1: and, and yeah, um, all good points. I, I, you know, a term came to me that I've used many times that applies here in ownership, be proactive, not reactive, react to situations as they're occurring. As you said, just a few moments ago to keep the the flow even and steady for the premier experience, but be proactive in preparing and react on, you know, as it's occurring, don't react days later to data. You know, that's. I mean, that's not. Don't react to it. But that's not. Data is information, but is it actionable? You know, it must be actionable if you're going to sit and look at, at numbers. But it's about. It's about. You're right. You will never eliminate the people ex- component of the dining experience and and be successful. I just don't believe it. I think McDonald's putting up their kiosks was a terrible idea. I won't use them. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think kiosks are interesting. You know, I've I've spoken with people who are huge advocates for them and who believe that it's, you know, that kiosks and customer facing tech is the future and that this is the way to go. But I think people really are. I, I don't care who you talk to. I think people really are. You know, they're missing being able to communicate what they want with a real person and to have somebody, you know, to actually care and to get it right. I don't care if it's McDonald's or a Michelin star restaurant. You know, we want to feel like we were heard and that somebody actually took the time to make sure that the order was taken correctly and that there was, you know, that there's some something personal about it. <laughs> you know, and I think going, so with that, what are some of your biggest pet peeves, you know, when it comes to how wait staff present themselves and maybe things that they're missing, you know, when they're engaging with a customer, what do you look for specifically in your servers when you dine out?
1: Great, great question. I want them to, you know, to present themselves first of all in appearance, you know, that they've taken some care for with themselves. Too many restaurants have, allow, allow their staff to just dress sloppily or groom sloppily, not taking the care with themselves. And my thought has always been that if you're not taking care of your personal appearance, you're not taking care of my, cons- the, my the product I'm about to consume. Right. So, so appearance is very important. Consistency in appearance is very important. Let's, let's, you know, I've seen too many houses that are catering to the staff and not to the customer. That means they allow them to dress and groom virtually any way they want to. And they're playing music that satisfies the staff overhead. You know, you know, people have, a, there's a wide variety of tastes in, in music, for instance. So pay attention, remember that it's the customer experience and not the employee's entire experience.
0: Well, I think so many people feel held hostage, especially now with staffing, you know, they're like, Oh my God, I just hope people show up that they don't know show that they don't walk out that they, (laughs) how do you balance that? How do you balance keeping your customers happy and committed and to where they're actually conscionable and you know, that they're invested in your business and to treat your business like it's their own and to. You know, and to make sure your customers have a good experience, <laughs> is, is there a nice balance that you think owners can achieve there?
1: The great question: mutual loyalty. Mutual loyalty. We talked earlier about taking care of your employees by not, you know, by not favoring certain people, and then you know, treating others as if they don't really matter—that they're backfill. You know, treat your employees with respect. And those that understand it, hire the people that understand respect and and mutual loyalty or loyalty at all, and take care of them, but not in ways that that take away from the customer experience. That's it in a nutshell. be, Be flexible in your scheduling. You know, don't embarrass them on the floor. You know, I've seen waiters embarrassed by their by their management on the floor. I've seen people call in because they couldn't get a babysitter. You know, someone came down ill in the family. A lot of single parents in this business and they can't get to work. I've seen people fired for that. So if people see you, even if it doesn't happen to you personally, if you watch management disrespect other employees or treat them as disposable, then you you have not, you have damaged any chance for mutual loyalty. So don't treat your staff as if they're disposable, but have some minimum standards that the customer will respect and explain why and insist on adherence to those standards. I think people want to feel pride, but but there has been so much subjectivity in what allowed in what in 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 in, sta- in standardization, shall we call it? Yeah. There's been so much focus on the individual in society, what the individual needs and wants are, that it has crept into the workplace. And frankly, I think it's ruining many businesses. So create standards that people can meet that are a little more than accepted by the customers, but rather sought by the customers, such as grooming and presentation. Do not pressure your staff to the point where they... When they present at the table, they're not pressured and harried and have no time for you because people read that right away and they're totally pissed off. <laughs> so, you know, when the customer is looking, when the server is looking past you as you place your order, they're not with you. And by checking in at the table, right? Again, we talked about checking in at the table, you will find out how messed up the order was. Do not just well, not server, server. I'm sorry. Runners are helpful to drop off the food, but they must also take responsibility for getting the order right. Or someone must drop by the table afterwards to make sure that the order was was right. So I want to st- I want staff to come to the table focused on us. I want them to take the time to answer our questions. Furthermore, they must know the answers. So I go back to Bones. Bones restaurant made you train for four weeks as a server oh wow okay <laughs> you, also, you also had to spend one of those weeks in the kitchen preparing food oh wow you had to know what went into every dish you had to be able to recite it at the table so anybody who asked a question about any dish you could describe it they also held a meeting before every session or every shift we literally came together and in the vp of the of the restaurant, came and stood with us and talked about the ups and downs or the quality of the food or something special that, that they were, wanted to be promoted. And they brought down cooked samples of the specials of the night. Okay. Oh, okay. Everyone, Everyone got to see it and taste it. Okay. This is before COVID. But <laughs> um, you, we literally brought forks up and sampled every dish so you could speak to it. You could tell the house, this is lacking something. And they would take it back to the kitchen and say, this needs to be improved. You could say so. So it's engagement. It's professional, mutual professional respect and loyalty. It's treating people like adults and not like children. Too many restaurants, this is a customer's point of view, too many restaurants are relying on their computers to run things. And that people are just components of the process. Their servers, their kitchen staff are components of the process. There's a mindset that says all we have got to do is figure out everything about the customer experience and then computerize it, and that then we can hire almost anybody to plug into the process. And that is a boneheaded idea.
0: <laughs> oh, that's no, you know, that's that leads me to my question I had thought of earlier about what are some of the critical critical mistakes that you think owners make in this industry and that would definitely definitely be one of them.
1: <laughs> yeah. Overemphasizing the importance of software.
0: Yeah. Anything else come to mind that you know as you've worked in different houses, just some owners that you've come across that you think just really got it wrong? You, you know, what are some of the telltale signs? <laughs> yeah. As uh, Yeah.
1: We've covered some of them being hands off. Right. And absentee ownership is a is a is a killer. Corporate ownership can be. I would say that here, here's, here it is in a nutshell. The further ownership is from the p- customer experience, the greater the 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 greater the chance for catastrophe. The greater you increase the odds, the further you remove yourself as an owner from the customer experience, the greater the odds of a terrible experience. Mm. The more you rely on data as opposed to personal contact with the customers. The the, the 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 you have increased the possibility of failure. I worked at a restaurant in Rockville Center, New York, called the New Yorker, where the owner seated every single customer, and they all had to pass him on the way out. And he asked oh, wow. he, he asked questions of every one of the tables that left, basically saying, "How was your experience?" He was taking the pulse. He ran a restaurant. He was a restaurateur. His name was Scotty. And he ran a restaurant called Scotty's as well as the New Yorker in Rockefeller And he was extremely successful. So distance between ownership and the customer experience is a, is a deep chasm. You must, you must in, engage and involve yourself. Trying to stamp your personal or insisting that your personal wants about the customer experience that everyone had the same experience same exact experience as you designed it in your mind can be fatal not everybody wants your experience they want some variation on it or they're they're going to try some variation on it but you know insisting that everything happen the way you think it should and not here it is not not taking the input from the data not using the data from the that that, that is produced by computers not taking the pulse of the customers as they uh, are experiencing your, your what you've put together for them not listening to your staff are all fatal not 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 I'm sorry choosing rest restaurant software and hardware ordering systems choosing it without using or engaging the users themselves not having them experience it before you buy it is fatal, you know. In both industries, healthcare and in in restaurateurism, I've seen senior senior management or ownership buy something from a salesman, and the users never get a shot at it. Then, when they try to implement it, it's not uh, that you know your users are asking, you know, why does it? Why doesn't it do this? Why doesn't it do that? Why does it do this? Why does it do that? And nobody ever asked them. So yeah. User experience experience with the computer systems uh, in the choosing of the system is critical. In fact, stand back and let your users meet with the salespeople. They will have the right questions. I've been doing it for years.
0: No, that's actually a fantastic bit of advice. And I really appreciate that because everything I think, you know, in summation, it sounds like it's owners who remove themselves and who and who forget about. What this business is, and it's all about high customer engagement. <laughs> yeah. This is not a hands-off business. Um, no, um, if uh, you're just going to throw some money at it and get to walk away, you know you'll see your investment quickly dwindle. You know, I come across a lot of restaurant groups, and you know they're highly successful and they acquire so many more properties. But I think it's having people who are able to you know be able to do, express the needs of that business um all the way through uh, you know feeling really comfortable expressing it to their management um the director of operations but people that are highly engaged and involved otherwise these businesses will suffer can you share some of your favorite dining experiences as we come to a close any restaurants that have really stood out and what made them memorable
1: sure goodness Favorite restaurant experiences. I'll go back to Bones, again. Okay. One of my favorite restaurant experiences. Here in Florida, I visited a restaurant that you are familiar with. It was the it was an Italian place on Okeechobee where the food was excellent. Why? Because they used quality ingredients, they cooked it correctly. I think it was
0: Italia, yep. Okay. Italia in- which- on, okay. Awesome. Yep.
1: Excellent <laughs> Because the food was well prepared, properly cooked with quality ingredients, served hot. You know, they, they, they. A pet peeve of mine. You asked earlier. We didn't get to enough of those. <laughs> <Is that laughs> the- yeah, I'm
0: sure there was a long list. <laughs>
1: yeah, there are. They, you know, not clearing the courses before you serve the next one drives me nuts. At, at this restaurant, they cleared the table before they served the main course. They kept the glasses full. They made sure there was enough napkins on the table. And they made sure we were happy. So that was a restaurant that it was engaged, right? A, a, good, a good experience. So quality ingredients, well-prepared, delivered on a timely basis. Another pet peeve, going back to pet peeves, is one course being served on top of the one that hasn't been finished yet. Oh, yeah. That is amateur. Yeah, especially welcome. in fine dining
0: experiences. It's like, that's fatal. Like, you can't, that's just not, it, you're, you just cannot do that.
1: <laughs> in, any, in any dining experience, I'll say. Yeah. Yeah. That, um, I, think it's, I think it's rude. I think you are basically saying, hurry up and get out of here when you serve one course on top of the other. But even if that's not the intention, that what the house is saying is our schedule is much more important than yours. That we need to do it like this. And so you have to suffer. You, know, you won't enjoy the first course. You won't even finish it before you start the next one. Or one will go cold while you finish it. It's just, it's just amateur night. Good dining experiences are one where they're, we are seated with a smile that everyone, that the host makes sure we are comfortable before they leave the table. They don't throw down menus and walk away. One where the server is, comes to the table, you know, in less than five minutes and introduces themselves, make, make, makes eye contact with everybody at the table, treats everyone at the table as if they are just as important as the, the person paying the bill, that they visit the table, They or even if they're just observing coming by, they don't have to disrupt. They don't disrupt conversation to make sure everything's okay. So even with the best of intentions, don't interrupt the conversation so you can be heard, unless it's a critical point, unless like you can't get a meal out, unless you check in with them, you know or is disrupt the talk. So they are seen, but not necessarily heard unless it's important that you make sure your, your drinks are cold, you know, there's ice in the glasses and that once that may, each course is put down, you come by to see that it came out correctly. Right. Yeah. And, and that the particulars were taken care of all that happens all the time here in Florida. People don't, the server doesn't come by to see that, you know, you had your dressing on the side or they left the anchovies off or whatever it is you asked for. They don't care.
0: Yeah. I've noticed that. I think it's really important for people to check in. Like you have to check in. It's just, and you're missing an opportunity for people to actually maybe order something additional, you know, and for you to maybe see higher check, maybe to get a bigger tip because you know, it's important. It's really important. If you're wondering why your you know, your pockets are a little light this week. Um, ask yourself if you checked in and if you checked in with each guest just one more time and just made them you know maybe just made a note of that in your mind like I will engage with my guest just one more time on my shift and and see if it leads to any improvements it will be reflected you will feel it it will be measurable because you will possibly see more money
1: <laughs> absolutely absolutely it pays off it pays off be visible right? Be visible on the floor. So if the table needs attention, wants something, they can find you. I can't tell you how many times I have had to order from somebody passing by, a busboy or another waiter. So yeah, be visible on the floor. Uh, Make sure everything has been prepared and served correctly. Make sure the table is clean, right? And don't disappear when the main course is put down. Yeah, don't 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 run away. Don't run away, yes. Yeah, don't run away. Yeah, as uh, far
0: as you know, as, go ahead. I was just thinking, you know, what I've also find, so I think, you, and this is, this crosses over to so many different, to, to so many different areas, but, you know, trying to be authentic or finding your tone and your voice. And so, and I imagine that's true for weight staff as well, you know, fake it till you make it. And it becomes really easy maybe to see, to try to take on different styles from other servers that maybe aren't true to you sure. <laughs> you know that's like one. it might work for one person to say oh honey baby how are you You know oh yes dear but if that's not really true to you and it's uncomfortable it will translate you don't have to adopt everything that works for everybody else you know find your own style and just be yourself you know i think the owners hired you for a reason <laughs> and you know, lead with that, that you have something to offer and every guest experience and, you know, and to trust yourself a little bit more. I'm sure, you know, you get your chops with each service. There's a new opportunity to learn something new. But yeah, I'd say it's, it's definitely a pet peeve of mine as we've thought about pet peeves, you know, when somebody I can tell that they're just putting something on that doesn't feel right. It's like a shirt that you just know it's not theirs. They're not wearing their shirt and they're uncomfortable you're in the it long. and it's the wrong style. And then the, the guest feels uncomfortable because you're like, Hmm, something about this doesn't feel right. Yeah, and, really you can't, nice. and you can't put your finger on it, but it definitely carries over and you don't know what you aren't, you know, you don't know what you're not allowed to trust. You're like, Hmm, is it the food? Is it something going on behind the scenes? And it's really just, you know, making people feel comfortable, um, you know, and to feel like relaxed. You'll, those people will come back. If you can make people feel comfortable and relaxed and like they can trust you and they can trust the food because we aren't in the kitchens, you know, we don't know what's going on there. So establish establishing trust with your server, I think will guarantee repeat business.
1: (laughs) Or the server, the server building trust and comfortability with the customer will, will, will improve the chances of repeat business. You're absolutely right. This goes back to your mention of human connection in, 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 in the process. If, and you're right, if the customer cannot relax, if they have to watch you, you are failing. If they feel they have to watch you, you have failed. But I've done it many times as a host, you know, taking my family out or a date out where if I don't trust, if there's something off about the server, I end up paying attention, you know, to the way the meal goes rather than to my guest. Right. And I've been robbed. I've been robbed of a proper experience because of some idiosyncrasy about the the, cust- uh, the, the server. I can also, at this point, but I'm adult, an adult. I can detect when a server is nervous about their body of knowledge, right? Mm. Or nervous in their ability to deliver. I help them deliver. By the way, I I put them at ease, right? But that's not my job as a customer.
0: No, no, it's not your job, and I know I've done it too because I think I try to put myself in their shoes and extend some grace because I've been on the other side, you know, in different positions in my life. And you're like, okay, this person's nervous. Let me put them at ease. Or I feel I'm always like I'm a great person for you to train with. I tell people that right out sometimes <laughs> when I tell they're new, or even at a, a store if you see somebody new who's you know they're they're just learning the register. I'm like, don't worry. I'm not in a rush. And I want them to just to get it right and to feel relaxed and to not, you know, I don't want to ruin their entire day. And it's hard. It's hard getting up and doing what you have to do. (laughs) And so Mm. I think this comes back to, you know, customers too. maybe practice a little, you know, being gracious doesn't hurt anybody. (laughs) You know, it's being kind. It's, you know, you just as much as you're there for a good experience, but maybe see how you can impact somebody who's starting out in their career Um, who that maybe they do have people to take care of and they're relying on that money, you know, just practice some kindness. And I think we could all stand to do that a little bit more. <laughs> um, Absolutely.
1: Now you're hitting the nail on the head, regardless of what's going on in your personal life. So here's, here, here goes back. I'm going back to the, your original point in this, this segment of the talk is that, If you cannot muster what you, you know, from within what you need, copy somebody else to whatever degree you need to, to deliver a positive customer experience. We are actors when we are at the table, but, you know, there's a difference between, you know, weak actors and strong actors, you know, strong actors are people who, you know, let's take a, an actor, call it Al Pacino, Robert Duvall, or, or someone who's been around a while that they they can allow more of themselves to come through when impersonating someone else, right, mm-hmm. as an actor. And you'll say, oh, well, they they play themselves, Robert Downey Jr. He plays himself. Well, that's because he has become comfortable in what he's supposed to do in the role, what the role requires, that allows his personality to come through. But nobody, but nobody wants your problems. When you are a no. sober, they just, they don't want it. Um, no. <laughs> but, and this goes on. I think it's also has something to do with the cell phone. People who carry their cell phones constantly on the job believe that they should be as engaged in their private life at work. And sometimes more so than they are on the job. No, you're not. No, you're not. Put your personal life in your, in your bag, in your cubby at work. And hit the floor being what you are being asked to be. And that is a positive, helpful, informed human being.
0: Yeah, I think I'll piggyback that and say, it. you know, dining experiences, it is like a theater production, you know, when you watch all the different players and, um you know, I think it's really important for people. Like if you saw somebody, you paid tickets for a Broadway show and you saw the actor pull their cell phone out in the middle of their scene just to go glance at a message and disengage and break character, like what would that do? You know, that just, it just wouldn't happen. (laughs) And I think, you know, so I, I think the same goes for servers, you know, and for everybody at the restaurant, it's don't break character. And a good experience is one where you feel like you've been, Uh, engaged with you've been you know you've been taken care of but you didn't see the hiccups you didn't see somebody miss their line or drop miss a beat and everything moves effortlessly seamlessly and you just there's a flow and you can tell when there's something that broke in the you know it's like it's it's like a time hop you know something time traveled and then yeah you're like something doesn't quite belong here like something's (laughs) something's wrong
1: (laughs) right and
0: so a good experience is when they're going to happen it's inevitable but minimizing those minimizing those breaks you know and and i think you'll just people leave happy (laughs) is there anything you'd like to share that i haven't asked and that i haven't touched on
1: oh boy Mm. nothing i nothing that we haven't touched on i mean i could talk about this topic for hours so I appreciate that you you've asked really smart questions and relevant questions to to what I believe restaurateurs and employees of the restaurant food and beverage industry really need to hear. I don't know who will hear it, but I think we've covered quite a bit of it. So no, yeah, I think any,
0: and I appreciate it too. I really appreciate your time and you sharing your experience with us because I think anybody can have so much to learn, and it will definitely add value you know to their to whether if they're a new hire or if they've been at this for a while i think that you touched on some really important things for anybody listening if they'd like to get in touch with you are they welcome to reach out i can include it in the show notes
1: (laughs) absolutely sure should i mention it here or
0: yeah here's fine. what's the um what's the best uh, way to to reach out to you Uh, social media or would you like to provide your email or
1: email for to start with i mean my we could go from there if anybody wanted to engage further but my email address is my the first initial of my last name then my first name and the letter the numeral three o dennis three o dennis three at com.
0: well thank you so much dennis and i hope you enjoy the rest of your day
1: i thoroughly enjoyed it thank you for taking the time with me bye now
0: bye